you do a couple songs before we get the play started. Construction of Scotty's Castle ceased in 1931, which reminded me of a song that might have had something to do with it. Once I built a railroad, I made it run, I made it race against time. Once I built a railroad, now it's done. Brother, can you spare a dime? Once I built a tower to the sun, brick and rivet and lime. Once I built a tower, now it's done. Brother, can you spare a dime? Once in khaki suits, gee, we look swell for that Yankee doodly dum dum. Half a million boots went slogging through hell. I was a kid with a drum. Say, don't you remember you called me Al? Was Al all the time? Say, don't you remember I'm your pal? Buddy, can you spare a dime? Once in khaki suits, gee, we look swell, full of that Yankee doodly dum. Half a million boots went slogging through hell. I was a kid with a drum. Say, don't you remember? You called me Al. It was Al all the time. Say, don't you remember? I'm your pal, buddy. Can you spare a
Thank you, Mark. Beautiful. Hi, everyone. Welcome to IOU Theater. Free mic, free mic. <laughs> Thank you all for coming out tonight in this land of little rain where we're actually enjoying some rain this evening. We enjoyed it yesterday in Death Valley. The IOU players are method actors. These thespians trekked all the way out to Death Valley yesterday to actually visit Scotty's castle so they could get real for you tonight. So <laughs> please give a hand to the IOU players. They're very, very committed performers doing wonderful work. And we welcome all of you. We know we have special guests visiting actually from Death Valley National Park, I hear. There are two park rangers here tonight from Death Valley. Thank you for... Even better, four from Death Valley. Thank you so much for making it out. We know we've got people here from Bishop, from London, from Germany visiting, and we're also going to be broadcasting live on the internet internationally tonight on kppglive.com. Tonight's presentation is Death Valley Scotty. This play was actually brought to us by our fearless director, Kristen Lutkemeyer who also works for the National Park Service at Manzanar. And she's amazing. She actually remembers this uh, production when it was on the Death Valley Days TV series broadcast, and she would watch that with her mom. It was one of her favorites, so she brought that to us. It was written by Ruth Woodman, who wrote the first lost radio play that we performed here back in June that John Klusmeyer brought to us, Man Against the Mountain. And Ruth Goodman was a woman, actually copywriter, advertising person from New York City who came to Death Valley and to this area for 13 years, um, 13 summers, 14 summers, and actually sat with miners, people in bars and on street benches and learned all she could about this area and about the West. And she became the voice of the West. So tonight we do uh, a reading of this production that was written by her in 1931. Um, and we're very excited. We're happy everybody came out. Thank you again for supporting our fourth production. I'm Rochelle. I work with the Metabolic Studio from Los Angeles. Um, we love you. We wanted to be here to give back, hence IOU Theater. And we are very excited. Prepare to swoon and to be swindled by the IOU Theater going live in five, four, three, two, one. You are listening to KPPG Live at 89.9 FM in the Owens Valley, brought to you by Metabolic Studio. The IOU Theater of Lone Pine, California, broadcasts monthly from the Owens Lake Begon at the historic Double L Saloon. For 100 years, Owens Valley has been tapped to make the city of Los Angeles possible. From LA to the Owens Valley, we know we owe you. As an act of reconciliation from LA, the IOU Theater joins the IOU Garden, a community resource center growing on DWP land since 2011. The IOU Garden features Owen's Dry Lake Bread, turning dry lake dust into stoves into loaves. Stop by the IOU Garden and sign up for your bread shares today. The Metabolic Soil Project, turning capital into dirt since 2010. We spread the best dirt all around the valley, from Alancha to Mustang Mesa, a locally grown farmer's market on alternating Fridays, 100 conversations about water series, leaking the latest news on water issues in the valley and beyond. IOU Theater is powered by jitters from IOU Espresso, served in the IOU Garden before every show. And now, we bring you tonight's program, Death Valley Scotty. We ain't got a barrel of money, maybe we're ragged and funny, but we'll travel along, singing a song side by side. Don't know what's coming tomorrow, maybe it's trouble and sorrow, but we'll travel the
Howdy folks, I'm the Old Ranger, and I have another interesting, true story for you about the historic Death Valley country. It's a fabulous land where these products originated, 20 Mule Team Borax and Borax Soap. Come on, let's see what's going on out here. Goodness, how the wash piles up. Sheets, dish towels, work clothes, play clothes. Hello, I'm Rosemary DeCamp. Big family, big wash. Good clean fun adds up to a big, <laughs> dirty wash. Girls, 20 Mule Team Borax takes all the worry out of the biggest wash. It's a unique washing aid. There's no other product like it. <laughs> Used with your regular soap or detergent, it actually boosts cleansing action, cuts grease, floats out dirt, speeds and sweetens the whole job. And here's a special tip to mothers of young babies. Remember, protect tender skin. Soap and wash all baby clothes and Borax sweet. Mention Death Valley, and the first thing everyone wants to know is, what about Scotty? What was he like? Did he really have a secret gold mine? So tonight, I'm going to tell you the true story of this legendary character who for over half a century kept the world a-gaping and a-guessing, Death Valley Scotty. Tonight, we pick up the old ranger a few hundred miles from Death Valley in Los Angeles, where two girls are entertaining him at one of the city's smart restaurants. Their attention has just been attracted to a party arriving at a nearby table. My goodness, look at that man who's just come in. I see him all right. My gosh, he's got on a tuxedo oh, and, a, and a bright red foreign hat. I know. And he's carrying a 10-gallon hat. A white one at that. Red tie? White 10 gallon hat? That sounds like, well, I'll be dang blasted. It can't be. Yes, it is, too. He's heard it's you. Death Valley Scotty. He's heard you. He's looking around. He spotted us. And he's coming over here. <gasps> right now, he's coming over. Well, if it ain't my old friend from Death Valley. Howdy, old ranger. What are you doing in this swell city joint, you old desert rat, you? <laughs> I was just going to ask you the same question, Scotty. I never figured to see you all rigged up in a soup and fish outfit like the one you're wearing. Ha! <laughs> Pretty nifty, eh? I'll say so. It's like putting a chain harness on a mule to get me into it. When it come to a hi-hat, though, I, I balked. My ten-gallon hat'll do for any day or evening, and I wear my red tie with any outfit no matter what the Book of Etiquette says. But, but what's the idea, Scotty? You haven't gone Hollywood, have you? Oh, Lord, no. I'm just taking a whirl at high society, that's all. How come you've deserted Death Valley? Well, you see, it's like this. The government is planning on making a national park of Death Valley, so I says to myself, Okay, Scotty, we'll just close up the joint for a spell till Uncle Sam decides what he's going to do with my land and muscle into the front row society in Hollywood, and here I am. Ha-ha! <laughs> But you're going to finish building your castle in Death Valley, aren't you, Scotty? I'm going to wait and find out what all the shooting's about first. I ain't going to finish it up just to draw folks to no national park. <laughs> oh, no. First thing I know, tourists will be feeding me through the fence like they does them bears in Yellowstone Park. <laughs> hey, speaking of feeding, why don't you sit down and eat dinner with us, Scotty? Oh, yes. I can't. I got a dame waiting for me over there in the corner. She'll be plumb sore if I don't hurry up and order a couple of feed bags for her and me. Well, so long. So long, Scotty. Goodbye. Goodbye, Scotty. It was so nice meeting you. Well, meeting you, Scotty. Yes, very nice meeting you. Well, so that's Death Valley Scotty. Himself. I've heard of Death Valley Scotty all my life. Thought he was just some sort of a myth. Ah, Scotty's no myth. He's very much alive and a two-fisted He-Man. A 20-mule team is traveling along Death Valley in hot daylight. Young Scotty is perched on the rear wagon as it jounces along. He wears a sombrero to shade his face. The year was 1888. 
And there was a new swamper on the big team hauling borax out of Death Valley. A husky young fellow by the name of Walter E. Scott. Three years ago, he'd run away from home in Kentucky. Been knocking around the West ever since on his own. Now he's got this job swamping. But young Scott has ambitions far beyond that. Someday he's going to be rich. Find a gold mine. Build himself a castle like the castles in the storybooks, with a tower, and a moat, and a dungeon. Clouds alkali dust rise from the hooves of 20 mules as the boy sits there on top of the wagon and builds his castle in the air. Will his dream ever come true? How? Albert Johnson is lying on a stretcher, a blanket over his legs. His face is thin and drawn with suffering his eyes half closed, the stretcher he rests on a baggage truck. The station agent in overalls and railroad cap is checking express goods stacked on the platform. The sign on the wooden wall of the depot reads, Barstow, California. Scott is holding forth to a small group of depot loiterers. He gesticulates freely. Everything about him suggests restless vitality. There's Something about Death Valley. Once you get there, it just gets in your blood. Take me. I worked out there for just a few months way back in 88. Then I joined up with Buffalo Bill's Wild West show as a trick shooter and a rider. Toured before the crowned heads of Europe. And where do I head back to now? Death Valley. Johnson opens his eyes and shows a flicker of interest. What are you going to do when you get there? Prospect. I'm going to find me a gold mine, the likes of which no one's ever located before. It'll be so rich, the whole world will be talking about it. You've been traveling with them press agents too long, son. You don't believe me, but I'll show you. Scott catches Johnson's eye on him and addresses him. I reckon you think I'm crazy too, don't you? Me bragging like this. Nah, not when you got your whole life ahead of you to make good. Sure, I'm only 27. That's just my age. I've only got a few weeks to live. Who says so? Doctors in Chicago. Consumption? Nah, train wreck. My father was killed outright, and my back was broken. I told him if I had to die, I wouldn't die out west. Why die at all? Would, would you care anything about living if you knew you'd never walk again? Huh? Well, I just get up and walk. Uh, I'm sorry. You're talking to a man who's never had a sick day in his life. No wonder you feel like you could lick the world. An orderly in a white coat steps up beside the stretcher. The carry-all for the sanitarium is here, sir. I don't want to go to a sanitarium, be surrounded by doctors and nurses. But you need care, sir. Johnson ignores the orderly and looks up imploringly at Scott. Would, would you? Would I, would I ride herd on you? Yeah. <laughs> Why, sure. I'll take you into Death Valley with me. Death Valley? You can make it on a spring wagon, on a blanket, on the ground under the stars, meals cooked over a wood fire, a pinon and mesquite, mountains all around, millions of years old, and silence. Thanks. By the way, my name's Albert Johnson. Well, my name is Walter Scott, but you can just call me Scotty. Johnson and Scott ride together on horseback through a Death Valley Canyon. A wonderful place, Death Valley. Just one short year living Scotty's way of life in the deep, hot desert brought Albert Johnson the miracle of complete and total healing. Scott pulls up his horse and turns to Johnson. Johnson looks tanned and fit. You tired? Nah, nah, I just want to make one more, take one more look at that view so I can visualize it when I get back home. Home? I'm going back to Chicago, Scotty. What? When? Now, I got no excuse to stay out here any longer. I'm cured, thanks to you. But, but I thought you... Uh, it's time I get back to work again. After all, I got a business back there. You got business out here. Business? That gold mine you're going to locate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well... Stay out here. We'll locate it together. <laughs> nah, nah, you're the, you're the prospector, Scotty. My field's insurance, and there's gold in them Nar Hills, too, you know. Well, Johnson, I hope you strike it. 
If I do, just remember, we're partners. That goes both ways. If I find the gold first. The two men reach out and clasp hands firmly. Thank you, Scotty. And so, each one went his own way. Scotty to prospect in the wilds of Death Valley, Albert Johnson to occupy an executive's desk in a Chicago skyscraper. These two were worlds apart in every sense, yet their trails were destined to cross again someday when one or the other of them had struck it rich. Scott, dusty desert clothes and 10-gallon hat on tousled head, faces two startled railroad officials. Byrne, general passenger agent, is seated at a desk. Nichols stands at his elbow. On the wall behind them is the Santa Fe Railroad emblem. Hi, I'm Walter Scott of Death Valley. I want to get to Chicago in record time. Well, there's a train leaving Los Angeles at 5 o'clock. I said record time, mister. What's the fastest anybody's ever done it up to now? Why, uh, the Peacock Special back in 1900. 58 hours. Well, fix me up with a train that'll get me there in 46 hours. Mr. Scott! Well, man, it's impossible. 12 hours off the running time. Do you realize the distance? It's over 2,200 miles. 2,265 miles to be exact. Well, 2,265 miles in 48 hours. It's still crazy, ridiculous. Why, it would mean averaging close to a mile a minute. Up heavy mountain grades, round sharp curves, cross bridges. Why, why, it'd be suicidal. <laughs> a mile a minute? That's nothing. Not if you've got the right away with no signals or no switches to hold you up. Are you suggesting that we clear the whole Santa Fe road for you, Mr. Scott? Why, sure. Yeah, sure. Clear over 2,200 miles of track on a big transcontinental railroad for one lone prospector from Death Valley. <laughs> Why not? Because it'll cost a fortune. I've got a fortune. I've got a gold mine named your price. The greatest gold mine in the world. More gold than I'll ever get through if the mine was worked steady till coyotes turned into elephants. Ha <laughs> ha! How much? It'll cost you $5,000. Scott reaches down and rolls up his pant leg, displaying a wad of bills stuffed in his sock. Lord, what a bankroll. Scott peels off five $1,000 bills and slaps them down on the desk. There's one, two, three, uh, four, five. Haven't you got anything but $1,000 bills? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I carry it few hundred dollar bills just for tips, you know, and small change. Here's another 2,000 says you can't make the run in less than 48 hours. Byrne pushes the last dollar bills. The Santa Fe doesn't bet, Mr. Scott. When do I start? Be at the depot at 1230 next Sunday afternoon. Good. <laughs> and don't forget, I wear a second sock. <laughs> For the next couple of days, Death Valley Scotty rode around Los Angeles in a buckboard, scattering gold pieces in the street from big wooden caves. The whole town followed him around. Newspapers all over the country picked up the story, and the news of Scotty spread like wildfire. Death Valley's gift to city editors had made his first bow. That Sunday, all of Los Angeles was on hand to see off the Coyote Special. Here he comes! 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 Good gracious, he's got a dog with him. A little yellow pup, did you ever see such a mutt in your life? Yeah, ain't he a miserable little cur? I found him yelping under a culvert here in Los Angeles. A lot of High-tailed dogs was picking on him. So, I'm gonna take him with me. Oh, what's his name? Goldbug. <laughs> this way to the Pullman. Pullman? I'm not gonna ride in any Pullman. I'm gonna help fire the engine. If we don't go fast enough to suit me, I'm gonna take to the throttle myself. It's Chicago in 48 hours or bust. Bye. 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 Bye.
Report from the Associated Press. Train is eating up the miles across the desert, rounding curves at 65 miles per hour, hitting up to 96 on the straightaway. <laughs> Report from Associated Press. Scotty Special has crossed Rayton Pass, leaving mountains behind, now streaking over the Great Plains between Legitia, Colorado and Dodge City, Kansas. Scotty Special covered 203 miles in 194 minutes. <laughs> Report from Associated Press. Scotty Special has hit speed of 106 miles an hour, a world's record. (laughs) Exactly 44 hours and 45 minutes from the time he left Los Angeles, Death Valley Scotty stepped from the train in Chicago. A record which will stand for the next 20 years. Welcome to Chicago! Way to go, Scotty! Uh, uh, I want to make a phone call. Uh, Hold my dog, will you? He's wearing a coat made of a thousand dollar bill. Why, sure. Matches his complexion. Yellow pup, yellow backs. (laughs) Made the coat myself. A reporter is making notes hastily. He steps forward as Scott enters the phone booth. A cameraman steps forward, too. Hey, Scotty! Uh, you can interview me later. I want to call Mr. Albert Johnson. Who's Johnson? Who's Johnson? My partner, that's who. Scott hands the phone attendant a bill. Jiminy Christmas! It's $500! Why, the city's phone calls only cost a nickel. That's all right. Keep the change. Back in the Los Angeles restaurant, the girls are breathless at the old ranger's tales of Scott. Gracious, I feel as if I've made the run myself, but tell me, has Scotty made any other records since? Why, sure. He holds the world's record for talking more about himself and telling less about himself than any man alive. Has anyone ever discovered the secret of his gold mine? It's nighttime, and Scott and Johnson are seated in a booth in a Chicago restaurant. Scott is cleaned up in shirt sleeves, flamboyant red tie, and 10-gallon hat. Johnson, by contrast, is wearing a conservative business suit and has checked his hat. He's listening with great amusement and interest as Scott describes his run. They carried me along the platform like a conquering hero. (laughs) Women diss me. (laughs) Sounds like you had a heck of a time for yourself, Scotty. I sure did. A waiter comes up with a tray of drinks. Johnson reaches into his inside breast pocket and brings out his wallet. Put your dough away. This is my celebration. A money burner from Mojave, that's what they call me. <laughs> a live one from the funeral mountains. <laughs> the court's locking bar. <laughs> oh, waiter, uh, bring me a roast beef bone. Did you say a bone, sir? Yeah, a nice, big, primary beef bone, make it snap. Yes, sir. <laughs> I don't know who's getting more enjoyment out of this, Scotty, you or me. Well, by the way, oh, did I tell you, as we raced through Barstow, I chucked a bottle of champagne onto the platform right where we first met. <laughs> yeah, you said someday you'd have the whole world talking about you, remember? Yep. Well, I sure got a pretty good start, haven't I? The waiter returns with a large roast beef bone on a platter. Scott holds it under the table. Here you are, gold bug. (laughs) Scott pulls out a bankroll, peels off a $100 bill, and hands it to the waiter. Uh, Keep the change. You certainly are free with your... Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. (laughs) You certainly are free with your spending, Scotty. Well, (laughs) why not, heck? I found a gold mine. <laughs> well, it's sure been nice seeing you again, partner. You're not leaving already, are you? Yep. Can't stand big cities. I'm making a tracks back to Death Valley. Scott is back in Death Valley astride a mule loaded with prospecting and camping supplies. His eyes narrow as he scans the country. He takes a pair of field glasses from around his neck and looks through them intently. Uh-huh. I thought so. We're being trailed again. 
Through field glasses, we see two prospectors, Cub and Blackie, on horseback. Huh. Two more suckers. Well, let's give them a run for their money. <laughs> the prospectors ride up on Scott's trail, examine the tracks, and follow him up a steep slope. Sure sticking to rough country. Oh. I'm getting a belly full of trailing him. My canteen's empty and my hide's cracking. He's gotta lead us to water sooner or later. Oh. Well, it better be sooner. I don't care if it does mean finding his gold mine. I can't take much more of this. The two slide from their horses and stumble toward a small pond. Blackie drops blindly to his knees. I told you he'd have to lead us to water sooner or later, Yep. Cub notices a sign posted by the pond. It reads, warning, this spring is poisoned. Hey, look out. I don't believe it. Blackie's thirst overcomes his fear, and he turns again toward the water. Scott rides out from behind big boulders nearby. I wouldn't do that if I was you. Is this your idea of a joke? I don't joke with bloodhounds. Nearest water hole from here is Mesquite Springs, 30 miles south. I'd advise you to start backtracking pronto. This water ain't poison. He's bluffing. Sure. I'm only bluffing. Well, go ahead and drink it. Or maybe you better just let your horses try it first. Though a man might as well be dead himself as to lose his horse out here. The prospectors glare at Scott murderously, then move sullenly to mount their horses at Scott's watches. And don't let me catch you trailing me again. My gold mine is nobody's business but my own. <laughs> Scott watches them go and then dismounts and drinks deeply from the pond. Ah. <laughs> Joe, you're a typical weak, weak and handy man, aren't you? Uh, sure. Okay, now I need you to help me with an experiment that I need to do. R really? Yep. Now, you see that to your side there? There's, that's an oily compound that's used by scientists to test the efficiency of soap. Yeah. Okay, now I want you to rub it into your hands, Joe. Gross. Yeah, no, just do it, just do it. <sighs> yeah, now go ahead, wet your hands and wash them. Wash them with that ordinary toilet soap. Uh, toilet soap? Don't worry about the toilet, Joe. <laughs> oh, sure, easy for you to say. Uh, this, you're going to help me with a little experiment. I got a point to prove here. Now rinse your hands and dry them, Joe. Okay. Okay, now we're going to repeat the experiment. What? Yep. All right, Joe. Dirty your hands up again with that oily compound. Yeah. Okay, now you wet them the same way, but this time we're going to use borax, powdered hand soap. Ew. Okay, so lather up, Joe. Lather up good and add more water. Well, you give, you tell me how to wash my hands here? Yeah, woman? yeah, I know. I'm helping out. Yeah, All I'm right. Helping now out. listen to me. Now rinse your hands, Joe, and dry them. Okay. Okay, now look. What are the results? Oh, wow, they're... Clean. Yeah, see, see, prove my point. With borax soap, clean hands, and no dirt on the towel. Wow. Borax soap's two-way action gets out dirt that plain toilet soap just can't reach. Yeah, sure beats toilet soap. <laughs> Hey, we're hot and happening here and drinking it all in on KPPG 89.9 FM in Lone Pine, California. That'd be Lone Pine, which is the gateway to Death Valley. And keep that in mind because Lone Pine is the one and only official gateway to Death Valley. So when you hear pretenders to the throne like Ridgecrest or Beatty <laughs> claim they are the gateway to Death Valley, Yes, don't even fall for it. That's weak sauce wishes from a desperate chamber of commerce out in the weeds. <laughs> we are the authentic gateway. So, yeah, that's right. Someone gets it back there. Nice. 
Okay, well, you know, too bad you folks weren't able to see the old IOU dancers performing here in the studio. Yeah, it was hot, a sight for sunbaked eyes. With some kind of weird, bizarre cross between a jitterbug and a Texas two-step, tell you what, it would have made you take back stuff you never stole. <laughs> All right, now, here, we're here at the station. We got a bunch of community news and commercials we got to get through. We got to pay the bills around here. And we only got one station break, so just relax a little bit. Um, if you got any complaints, go to our uh, personnel director, Helen Waite. <laughs> uh, you got it, right? You got a complaint, go to Helen Waite. Okay, we're getting started here. An early and very merry unbirthday wishes go out to one of the head choreographers here at the IOU studio, artist and director of the Metabolic Studio, Lauren Bond. Yes. And uh, no, we're not going to ask how old she is. We're just assuming 29, and we're going to let it go at that. We're not as dumb as Mr. Borax Soap, dude, there. More congratulations are in order for an artist and a dancer, the one and only Marta Beckett, the queen of Death Valley Junction, and the prima ballerina for decades at the Armagosa Opera House a true desert legend. And a historical note, the Opera House and Hotel were originally built by Pacific Coast Borax. That's soap money put to work, which is also, Borax also built the Furnace Creek Inn. There will be a test afterwards. <laughs> now, we have a big thanks to the folks at the IOU Garden. Gonna say goodbye to manager Diane Spieth, who's kept the greens growing and the student pizza competitions lively, and all the pollinators buzzing around Main Street. Diane's heading out after the summer, so thank you. <laughs> now, a little farther afield, please remember when you find yourself in lovely downtown Shoshone, hit the crossbar saloon for cold and refreshing libations in a hot desert town. While you're there, ask about the watering holes of the past, the Mecca and the snake pit. Yeah. For living history, ask desert rat Drew Whitman over here what it's like to spend the night in the parking lot of those two <laughs> Death Valley watering holes. Yeah, he's not as innocent as he looks, is he? Oh, boy, wow, I really didn't realize there was much, that much going on here in Death Valley with what, 80 people and 42 dogs? They're, they're a busy bunch, and uh, we're sure they're all listening to KPPG 89.9 FM Lone Pine, just like you are. All right, our folks at Miller's Towing, you remember this, they pulled the liminal camera out of the Rich Nielsen Memorial Sand Bog, <laughs> and then the big camera took images of pines, sycamores, locust trees, severely affected by the lack of groundwater in the Owens Valley. The photographs were developed right in the Owens Lake Bed using natural lake substrata. <laughs> Is that, that's dirt and water, probably, for us laymen. Developing film using Owens Lake uh, stuff. Okay, kind of cool, uh, kind of crazy. Now, we have another cool, crazy combo called the Amargosa River. It runs right through the Death Valley Desert. The river pops up out of the sand for a couple of miles, which is quite a sight to see. If you go down that way, take a peek at it, and remember it's guarded by the good folks at the Amargosa Conservancy. Google them, get out there and go. And while you're out there, check out the famed China Ranch Date Farm. Not sure why you have a ranch, date farm. A little hot out there in the desert, things get confused. It's another crazy green, cool oasis in the middle of our desert of dirt and heat. Next, we have an announcement. Lauren Bond in the Metabolic Studio and the Harrisons of the Center for Study of Force Majeure will present their findings at the Art Environment Conference at the Nevada Museum of Art on October 11th. So go up to Nevada. Or you can just sit at home and listen to the Sonic Division jam live on the PP&G silos September 29th through October 1st at kppglive.com. So that would be the internet, folks. 
And the Sonic folks are welcoming a new music producer imported all the way from London, Julie Dempsey. So, yay! All right, we have an alert just in from a listener. Please be on the lookout for mysterious phenomena involving water falling from the sky. Huh. Water from the sky. You know, I know an internet hoax when I hear one. And I might have been born at night, but it was not last night. Water does not fall from the sky here. Nice try, pal. All right. Coming on to the end here, at the Lone Pine Film Festival, there will be a new cut, a new version of the 100 Mules Walking the Los Angeles Aqueduct documentary film. It will be the finale of the film festival, be shown on Sunday, October 12 at 5 p.m. And I believe Lauren and some of the Wranglers will be around to chat. So, go see them. All right, now. Last notice of the evening here. Please, go make plans to visit the healing waters of the Tacopa Hot Springs. And when you go, leave your swimsuit at home because you can only go naked. <laughs> Thank you. The clothing optional Hot Springs is a proud feather or fig leaf in Inyo County's cap. <laughs> which is about the only thing you can wear in the water. Here's a tip from frequent bathers. Check out the parking lot before you strip down, and if you see a senior citizen tour bus, you might want to turn around. <laughs> the sight of an entourage of 80-year-olds in their birthday suits is far more scary than cool, and it's something the healing waters will not cure. <laughs> okay, I hope I don't have to explain that little visual. <laughs> Let's try to get that out of our minds and get back to our show. You're listening to Death Valley Scotty on KPPG 89.9 FM in Lone Pine. The world continued to be mystified by Scotty and his gold mine. Wherever men gathered, it was a popular topic of conversation. William Kane, a humorless mining promoter, and Byrne of the Santa Fe Railway are in Los Angeles talking with the bartender in the Hollenbeck Hotel. I hear Scotty's back in town again, Kane, on another spending spree. I understand he paid $50 for a haircut today. Where does he get his mummy from? Be his gold mine. Unbeknownst to Kane, Scott pushes through swimming doors and enters the bar. Oh, gold mine hex. Scotty's got no gold mine. It's all a fake. Bartender, whiskey here. You got anything smaller than a $500 bill, Scotty? No. Keep the change. So, I'm a fake, am I? That's my opinion, sir, and digging up facts on things is my business. Oh. A newspaper reporter, huh? No, and I happen to know something about mines, Mr. Scott. I promoted quite a few of them in my day. Well, just what facts have you dug up, Mr. Kane? Number one, there's no record of you ever filing on a gold claim in your district. That whole country's been combed from one end to the other. And nobody's ever found so much as a hole in the ground that gold come from. So, it's a hole in the ground you want to see, is it? <laughs> All right, I'll show it to you. You mean you'll take me to your gold mine? Why the sudden decision? Well, if you must know, I've got to go out there anyway with my partner Johnson. Got to see about starting a big scale operation. The big scale operation? Yeah. It's getting to the point where I just can't go on peeling off all that gold by myself. Oh, uh, <clears throat> are you married? Uh, yeah. Any youngsters? Uh, yeah, two. Plenty of insurance? Little? Well, I'd advise you to get a great big policy. What are you driving at? Just thinking of your family. Going into Death Valley's no picnic. Hotter than a furnace this time of year. Why, a man in a pinker condition could keel over just like that. 
And if the heat don't get you, the ambushers might. The ambushers? <laughs> yeah. Them bandits are on the warpath against me. Try to dry gulch me every time I go in there. You mean kill you? Kill me dead. Almost got me once at Wingate Pass. I thought I was a goner for sure. They jumped me all of a sudden. I didn't have a chance to run, so I had to shoot it out. I heard someone call, you're shooting the wrong man. Scott is second in the line, and ping, ping. The lead began to whistle around me. I rolled off the saddle, and by the great horn spoon, what do you think of that? I had failed to load the magazine of my gun. Ought to have been killed, hadn't I? I heard five shots from my man, and I started to run him down, but I thought better of it and made for a little arroyo, and threw myself flat in it and plunked my magazine full of those long Mauser cartridges. I raised up a bit, bang! Another fellow left drive at me, and I got it right in the thigh. It's the closest I've ever come to stepping into the great beyond. When it was all over, I... I climbed on my mule and started for Barstow, only 135 miles away. Well, meet me in my hotel in an hour and we'll get started. Uh, yeah, you better go without me. <laughs> what about my mind? Don't you want to see it? The rest of my life, no thanks. At the north end of Death Valley in Grapevine Canyon was an old rundown ranch owned by a hermit known as Old Man West. You want to buy this place? Look for it. Oh, <laughs> let's just say I like the location. <laughs> That's a magnificent view. What do you take for it? Well, the view? Oh, that won't cost you nothing. But the ranch? Well, I paid Jake Stein, uh, $300 for it some years back, but I put in a lot of improvements, like this here shop and such. Of course, real estate values have gone up since then. Oh, sure. I really wouldn't want to take less than $1,000 for it. Sold! West's jaw drops as Scott whips out his famous bankroll and begins peeling off bills. 500, 600, 700, 8. Now, how'd that little measly old 10 spot get in there? West makes a dive for the discarded $10 bill and retrieves it as Scott continues counting out the $1,000. Yeah, 800, 900, 1,000. You're crazy. Mr. Johnson will uh, draw up the necessary papers. I'm his uh, business manager. Now you got this place, what are you gonna do with it? Oh, uh, <laughs> I suppose I'll put in some uh, improvements. <laughs> Build another shack, maybe. The silence of Grapevine Canyon was soon broken by the muffled roar of blasting. <laughs> blasting for what? Nobody knew. Any more than they knew why Scotty bought up 70 miles of railroad ties from an abandoned desert line. The two partners maintained a sphinx-like silence, which only caused other tugs to wag furiously. In Los Angeles, at the Hollenbeck Hotel, Byrne and Nichols of the Santa Fe Railway and Kane, the mining promoter, are talking with the bartender. He's spending millions. Build a road clear down from Bonnie Claire. Excavation as big as a dry dock, I'm told. Well, it must be his gold mine. And this Chicago fellow is developing it. But no mining machinery's gone in, though. And no ore is coming out. I got a good mind to go there and see for myself. Ask him point blank. The bartender glances past the men toward the entrance. You can save yourself the trip, mister. Scott strides in, pushes his way to the bar, and signals for a drink. The Santa Fe officials smile at him. The promoter scowls. Well, howdy, Mr. Byrne. <laughs> How's the old Santa Fe? Still poking along? Uh, still got all your limbs, I see, Mr. Kane. <laughs> the, the bartender places a glass and whiskey in front of Scott. You made a fool of me once, Scotty. Now I think you owe it to me, to all of us. 
Come clean. What's on your mind? Same as everybody's mind. What in blazes have you been doing in Grapevine Canyon? Doing? What? I'm making jelly. Grape jelly. Scott reaches into a pocket and brings out a jar of jelly, which he slaps down on the bar. Wild grape jelly made by Death Valley Scotty personally. From my own wild grapes. Best doggone jelly you ever threw your lip over. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I can't ask you to sample it, but I'm taking it to the president of the Santa Fe Railway. Scott picks up his drink and drains it at a gulp. Drinks all around for everybody. Ah, sure nice seeing you again, Mr. Kane. <laughs> Don't you know you'll never get the truth out of Scotty? Then by gosh, I'll sick someone on him who will. Scott and another person are behind an office door with lettering reading, U.S. Treasury Department, Internal Revenue Service. The agent is at a desk and Scott is sprawled, hat on head with his leg over a chair arm. Of course I never paid an income tax. How can I be expected to pay on something I ain't got? You uh, claim you have no income. That's right. And yet you charter special trains? Oh, that was way back in 1905, and, brother. And you've been spending money like water ever since. Ain't no tax on water, is there? Mr. Scott, what is your occupation? Prospecting. And what do you live on? I live on hopes, like all prospectors. <laughs> then how do you explain that castle of yours? Castle? In Death Valley. Oh, <laughs> I got a piece of land up there with a shack on it. But no castle? Every man's home is his castle, mister. Mr. Scott, you may string the public along, but you cannot string Uncle Sam. I'm going to Death Valley myself, and I'm getting to the bottom of this. You do that, and I'll give you some of my wild grape jelly. <laughs> Ain't no tax on jelly, is there? Several evenings later, the agent caught up with Cub, the Death Valley prospector. Scotty's got a mine? Nah. Nope. Scotty's a bluff. He broke out. I ain't got any mine. No. Never had one. Then how do you account for that two three million dollar castle up there? Yeah, yeah, I know. That that castle's more Scotty's mine. Yep. Um, Albert Johnson's building that place at home. Scotty's just a caretaker. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you, Scotty's a loud bluff. He's broke, I know. Oh. Uh, I'm not gonna try to follow that fella. I'm just not going to try to follow that crazy fella any longer. So, uh, so you've trailed Scotty? Well, yeah, but it ain't no use. No. Scotty always knows when you're following him. Mm -hmm. And he fixes it so you lose his trail. Yeah, well, he don't stay camp or water hole. Not like a white man should. No. Scotty's, he, Scotty's crazy, I know. Is that uh -huh. right? Is yeah. that right? He sounds crazy like a fox. Well, you think so? Well, if you know everything. What the heck are you bothering me for? Well, I don't know everything. I just thought maybe you knew where Scotty's mine was. A mine? A mine? He never had any gold mine. Nope, nope, nope. I, I told you he never had any mine. No. No, I wasn't looking for his mine. I just kind of wondered where he's going. That's all that right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a cowboy all gory and red. Bronco fell on him and busted his head. There's blood on the saddle and blood all around. And a great big puddle of blood on the ground. Scott and Johnson are riding through Death Valley together on horseback. Scott pulls up his horse. Johnson also halts. Whoa, whoa, whoa there. Right here we made our deal, remember? Almost 30 years ago. And the world still can't figure it out. And even if you told them, <laughs> they wouldn't believe it. It's too darn simple. 
just a couple of partners, each one of us sharing what the other one's got, whether it's nothing or everything. You know, if you ask me, Scotty, I'd say we both had everything. I mean, Death Valley's been very generous. It's given me my health, provided me with a lifelong hobby, and, well, plenty of laughs, Scotty. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm trying to put on a good show, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> greatest one-man show on earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I reckon Death Valley has given me all I could ask for, too. My name in headlines, money to burn, even the dream I used to have when I was a kid riding along the big wagons. Even that's come true. Death Valley Scotty's Castle. It was like the castle in the storybooks, with a tower and a moat and a dungeon. The tower had a set of solid silver chimes. And there's music coming from the $50,000 pipe organ in the music wing. The gate leading to the courtyard swings on hinges that cost $3,500 a pair. There are fountains of jasper, fireplaces that run railroad ties as logs, rare furnishings from all over the world. Over two and a half million dollars went into this fabulous place overlooking Death Valley. Where did the money come from? Did Scotty really have a gold mine? The best answer I can give you is in Scotty's own words. All this you see, all this is just the tail of the kite. Find the kite, and you really got something. <laughs> And now, Rosemary DeCamp. <laughs> oh. Hi, old ranger. Hi. You haven't, you haven't seen Joe the handyman, have you? I think he's running. Oh, well, you know, I'd like him to come look at my washing machine after the show. You're, you're kind of lonely, aren't you, washerwoman? Well, yes, it's kind of lonely here. Mr. DeCamp's out with the 20 mule team, and you know how it is. Don't want to know. Well, I'm going to tell you the story of a dress. Could you help me, old ranger? Uh, sure. Cute, isn't it? But don't think this dress is new. Actually, it was Margaret's dress 10 years ago. And then Martha's dress six years ago. And it's Valerie's dress four years ago. And now the baby, honey Lou, is wearing Time for your nap, Needaloo. And to what do I attribute the long, lovely life of this dress? Martinis? A 20 mule team borax. Oh. oh, sure. This dress has been washed scores of times with 20 mule team borax in the wash water. The color of the dress remains unfaded. The texture of the fabric remains smooth. Yes, any color or fabric that's safe in soap and plain water is equally safe in borax water. For a borax sweet wash, Get the large economy size. Twice as many uses in five years. Remember, clean clothes. My job. Clean hands. That's me. So, so long. long, everybody. <laughs> well, let me introduce you to our cast for this evening. Um, the narrator tonight was read by Deborah Levin. The part of Scotty tonight played by Max Rosen. Being Johnson and Cub, we had Mark W. Long. Reading several parts, the Old Ranger, Borax Man and Kane, John Klusmeyer. Jason Rocher over here reading uh, the part of Burn. Reading girl number one, Nichols, Associated Press Voice, Borax Commercial number two, Jeannie Smith. The part of Blackie, the Chicago Reporter, Borax Commercials one and three, aka Rosemary DeCamp, Judy Wickman. Girl number two, Feely, the bartender, IRS agent, and the loafer, Ann Strong. 
Stealing the show with Old Man West, reading also the orderly attendant and waiter, Mary Winchester. <laughs> Station breaks and community announcements provided by John Klusmeyer. <laughs> Sound effects and foley with the help from the entire cast, Judy Wickman. And the musician's vocalist consists of Mark W. Long on vocals and guitar, Jason Lozier on guitar. The folks we're about to hear from, Sandy Anderson, Clayton Anderson, Victor Silvis, Bart Jarnigan, and Mark Flippin, also Sandy in the high country and special guests. and the double L bar. Before the production, we had stabilized lake bread brick oven pizza from the IOU garden from Diane's feet. And there was also IOU espresso from Betty Alvarado Torres. Thank you very much, our audience, all y'all for coming.
Thank you. Thank you, Sandy and the High Country. Everybody, give them a big hand. Thank you, thank you. This has been our fourth presentation of IOU Theater. Let's hear it one more time for the Death Valley Scotty cast. Thank you all for coming out on this lovely, drizzly night here in the land of Little Rain. Please do stay. Tip your bartender. Thank Kent. Again, we've been the Metabolic Studio IOU Theater. And our next production is coming up December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day. It will be War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. So War of the Worlds will close out the IOU Theater season on Sunday, December 7th, same time, same place, same station, kppglive.com. Don't miss it. Follow us and like us on Facebook. Thank you all for coming. Drive safely. <laughs>